Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Jokes with Mark Simmons, the podcast where I chat to another comedian about jokes they can't get to work. We were away last week, but we are back. Joel Grove, producer Joel, he's here. How you doing, Joel? Hey, Mark. I'm well. How are you? I'm all right. You were you were too busy last week to to do the podcast. You need to explain yourself. Well, actually, Mark. Yeah. What happened is we forgot about the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You well for a week. Well, you forgot for a week. I lived in. Ignorant bliss that this podcast. <laughs> I just had no idea this podcast existed. I think I and what you, a week. I, I texted you to say, "Are we going to record today for the intro?" And it was like Friday. And it already should have been out <laughs> or, or, or something. <laughs> I had no idea what day it was. I think no. Last week was a weird one. I think we can be allowed forgiven one week uh, in this. Well, you know, was, throughout was, the pandemic, it was the week after. We hit a hundred episodes, so that kind of we we just wanted to sit back and reflect. That's, well, that's how I sold it on Twitter, but we just forgot. Weird. I know, mate. So you you just said you're not feeling so well today, Joel. So shall we shall we sort of get through this quick? Yeah, what a right? lovely intro. Uh, <laughs> hi guys. Yeah, we know we didn't do a podcast last <laughs> week. I I feel a bit rough. So here's the next episode. <laughs> Uh, it's a slick operation. I hope you feel better soon, though. Me too, mate. Can you see that a new picture I've hung up? Yep, it's good, isn't it? Yep, done. Mm. Yep. How's your How's your girlfriend? Uh, she's well. Yeah, yeah. So she hasn't got it. So you might not have it. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully that's not it. Hopefully you're, hopefully you're just, just run down. Tired. Because you're working all, to the bone, from mate. All the podcast you did last week. <laughs> I did. Yeah, not this one. No, some good ones. Oh, you some are other good in ones. a bad mood today, Joe, and you're <laughs> taking it out on me. <laughs> you're welcome. Listeners, you're welcome. Mark, you need putting in your place every now and again. Yeah. You're the big the big dog on this show. All right, fair enough. I'll take that. Um, Joe, um, anything else to report? That, uh, this isn't the end of the show yet, by the way. <laughs> no, no, we've got a chat. You've got you're going to chat to a comedian, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you have you uh, have you edited that? I have. Good. How was it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. It's. Uh, do you want to announce who it is? Well, you can because I can't remember who I told you to do. <laughs> it's Noel James. It's Noel James. 
Oh, wow. Well, it- and my name is Joel James. So I immediately felt an affinity with the guy. I didn't know your middle name was James. He's like the Christmas. He's like the Christmas version of me. He is. Ah, oh, well, shall we? Shall we jingle some bells and listen to him? Ho ho ho, Mark. Ho ho. Hashtag Awuga is no James. Have you been gigging, then? A little bit, like slowly starting to come back in. But the trouble, yeah. I suppose, you've got is. Like, because a lot of the gigs aren't paying as much at the moment because they can't get as many people in. So for you to travel anywhere, really, yeah, a lot of the time it's probably not worth it, is it? No, I have. I did. I have managed to get some money off the government mm. because I'm self-employed, and that's probably the one good thing that the, the current government have done. And I think there's meant to be another payment coming this week, so that'll be. Oh, great. I'm looking forward to that. And then after that, I don't know if they're going to do any more. Um, Hopefully so, be back to normal then. I've been working on uh, a couple of radio programs for well, Welsh Radio. I've uh, been researching. I did a program about laziness, and I'm doing a program about forgiveness. So. Oh, cool. Actually, let's start there, because that was something I was going to talk to you about with jokes, because you do perform in Welsh language gigs. Um how does that work with your regular material? Do, do, do they translate? Do they? Can you just translate them and they work, or or how does that work? Well, when I when I started comedy, I was doing it in English all the time because and I was I started in London anyway. So uh, um, I did um, up until about the mid nineteen ninety six. I didn't do anything in the, in my my mother tongue, so to speak. Um, but when I was invited to do a gig in Welsh, I didn't have any material prepared for Welsh, so I <laughs> translated what I could from my English set into Welsh. You see. Right. Yeah. And how did that now, work? The, the problem, the problem I have, of course, is because I do a lot of wordplay. Obviously, wordplay is unique to that language generally, so I couldn't translate everything. But, but as you know, I do a few visual gags and I do some other gags which are not wordplay but they're more like they allude to images and stuff like that you know so I could translate them but then the more opportunity I got to perform in Welsh because the the, the scene has actually uh, thrived over the last 10 20 years the more I got used to it the more original material I could write in the Welsh language, separate from the English language. Oh, wow. So that, so wordplay in Welsh? Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I, I, I do a lot of wordplay in Welsh, but I like any... any Can comedian, you give an example? If, if I think of a funny idea, whether it's wordplay or whatever, I'll try and turn it into a joke. But I can give an example of... Um, like, for example, the word for biological in Welsh is biolegol, you see. But you can already see there, biolegol, you've got the word lego, lego in there. So that's it's just, this is a really corny joke, but I just thought a lot of people say the problems in life are biological or, you know, a problem I'm in bywyd, biolegol, are doing biolego, and I blame lego for that. <laughs> so... You know? So let me let me break that down for a second. So 
Lego, like do, in that Lego, in that joke, in Leg, Lego, the you know the the plastic of course. toy. Yeah, 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 hundred yeah, percent. But as in, it's, it's so, only a few blocks away, Mark. <laughs> do the audience need to know the English for Lego to get that joke, or does Lego translate in Welsh as the same? No, Lego is a brand name, isn't it? Black Lego is a, a UK, a, a worldwide, universally known. What I'm saying is, the word for biological is biolegal. So mm. all I'm doing is because the the sound Lego is part of that word, I'm just extrapolating it and turning it into and and the word for to blame is bio is in Welsh is bio. So bio legal, you could say is everything's being blamed on Lego. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. But there's 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 much cleverer ones than that. I I think the more I've done it in Welsh, the the better the quality of joke I've come up with. You know, like there's another joke the word for to if you if you say don't don't do something the word for don't is paidio or you can pronounce it as pedo pedo see and you can see where this joke's going so i said a joke about i went to the doctors and this is in welsh so i said the joke and he, he made me bend over but then i do i do i've got an english joke which says my doctor said to me He's going to look for tenderness in my back passage. And I thought, we all get desperate for love, but that's ridiculous. Now, that joke works in English and it works in Welsh because so, it's, it's not wordplay. So I do it in Welsh and then I say, the trouble is, I was only six years old at the time and I'm not, I, I wasn't going to bend down for him, doctor or not. But if I say doctor or not in Welsh, it's like saying doctor naipido. So it's like saying Dr. Rapido, you know, stuff like that, you know. <laughs> it's it's the trouble with jokes, I think, is I've I've had a lot of time to think about this during the lockdown. And because I'm on Twitter, I get a lot of jokes from other comedians, especially Gary Delaney puts a joke every day. And I notice he's got all these different types of joke. The trouble with it, it, it a joke is great. But I'm I'm constantly thinking there's more to comedy, you know. There's more to comedy than single lines. And I think I can Twitter jokes, but I I much prefer performing because it it gives you the the um, the opportunity to um, go into something else besides a single joke. You know, you can go into a, a whole conversational thing sometimes with the audience, and of course. I'd like to write a script or or, or even a, a, a screenplay, a comedy film, ultimately, I think, because the, the other problem with single one-liner jokes is it's very difficult to come up with something completely original mm. that nobody's thought of before, especially if it involves wordplay, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's still, it's still a, a skill that not many people can do, you know, but yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, when did you have that thought? Like, has that been something in your head for a long time, or do you think you just did what workplace so much? Because a lot of your well, stuff is performance, isn't it? So, it's not you don't really go on and just do jokes. You you do brilliant one-liners, but you weave them into a performance, don't you? Well, that's very kind of you. Um, I it's been in my head for a while, but it's, it was in my my knee for six months. <laughs> And then after that, it moved to my liver, which was very odd. 
Um, <laughs> it's my live-in liver, by the way, not my <coughs> officially. Uh... Ah, fuck that joke up. Anyway, it's good. It's good if you know your jokes by heart. Well, it's organic, isn't it? I'm a big film fan, and there aren't many, you know, classic comedy films. Certainly mm. not not being made at the moment. Anyway, no. And I think, um, yeah, it would be a challenge to to come up with even a short film, which is, you know, comedy. You know, bang, 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 really funny. I think I think uh, it might be frustrating to do it because comedy films are often misunderstood by the critics they're not i think historically comedy films are never given very good reviews especially when they when they come out but a lot of them become classics over a period of time you know mm. um but um yeah i mean i've had this thought of even expanding on not just comedy but just writing generally you know like i have been working on a couple of radio programs where i get the chance to play with sound effects and i get the chance to um you know have uh philosophical thoughts in there as well as comedy and um no i'd love to um get the opportunity to uh yeah i mean i wrote a sketch with a friend actually that's something else i did over the last few months a friend of mine in in norfolk was using zoom and other technical uh devices to record me and I wrote a sketch where there were three versions of me talking to myself. And it was as if there were three parallel universes. And what I was doing, I was as a, a linchpin to the sketch was the, the, the joke, when is a door not a door, when it's a jar, right? Which I think is, is a brilliant joke. And I'd love to know who actually wrote that <laughs> joke, because I think it's, it's a classic pun, but it's also... Because I've I studied physics uh, before I did comedy, I did a degree in physics, so I don't really remember that much about it. But I remember things like quantum mechanics, and quantum mechanics and relativity. And quantum mechanics is one of the simplest things to understand because it's basically if you don't look at something, if you can't see it, it may not exist. Like if you're not looking at the moon, it may not be there. And if you do look at something, by looking at something, you may influence it and change its nature, right? So, so I've, I, I had this idea. I wrote a short story a couple of years ago, and it wasn't a very good short story, but it was about a, a man who took a door and he put it in a laboratory and he tried to open the door at the correct angle of a jarness, which would be a few nanomillimeters, really tiny, small enough for quantum mechanical effects to come into play. And he observed the door through an electron microscope and he noticed at a certain angle, which was, as I say, extremely small, he noticed a, a, a sort of, um, a sort of gelatinous uh, plasma form where the door was ajar. And it turned out, you know, to cut a long story short, this is this was jam, you see, <laughs> and and it was forming in the opening where the door was, and it was probably coming from another parallel universe, and the door was an entrance into that universe. So that was a short story, and then I wrote this sketch in the last couple of months, which was a version of that, and I had one face like like my face talking, and then another face appeared. 
and we were both called Noel. Well, one was called Noel, one was called Noel. And we had slight differences, but we were essentially the same person, but we we're from parallel universes. And one person, one guy had studied a door in a laboratory and noticed this plasma form, while the other Noel was in another laboratory in another universe. And he had set up a jar and he set up this big jar and the lid was opening and closing really, really quickly. And it was opening and closing so fast that relativistic effects kicked in and the jar exploded and he got covered in jam, you see. And it was door jam. <clears throat> and uh, so, in other words, that's why the two Noels were existing in, in the same sort of plane because they'd entered each other's experiments. You see, it's not easy, is it, to to come up with some kind of twist on all this? But yeah. it's definitely original, mate. It's original, yeah. Is there a joke in there about a door being jammed? Yeah, a door jam. You see. Oh, is that well, what you meant? Yeah, door jam. Oh, okay. There's, there's the door frame, is the door jam, and and then there's the original joke about it being a jar. So it's a jar, and the jar is full of door jam. And then there was a third Noel who was just a bit of a of a sort of um, a moronic version of myself. And I had a guitar and I'd just sing a song about a door and I was jamming. But I'm sure there's uh, there's better things we can discuss, Mark. I feel like I've let you down already. <laughs> Shit, what are you man. talking about? This is great. Oh, That's really is funny. Have you actually recorded that? Yeah. The guy I recorded with, you, you know him, he's called Kai Barron. He lives in Norfolk, yeah, and he was doing it, the technical side of it, and he sent me the final version, but it was actually really, really difficult for him to do it, and we, it, it's more of a dry run. If we had better technology and we had a, more money, we didn't spend any money on it, we would do a proper version of it, but, you know, we did a version. I can send you the version we've got. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, you know, it's very, very rough. But there's three images of me floating around the space. And, I mean, it's a nice idea. But um, what, what I've been thinking a lot of is, is like, I do like science fiction, you know. And I, I, like, I like horror as well. But I had, so that, that idea with the, when is a door not a door, was kind of lead, leading into the science fiction uh, field. And then I had this idea of, of um, like, you could have um, an ATM machine or a, a cash point, which is actually a time machine, you know, and uh, that's not a joke. That would be a, a proper script where you'd have, for whatever reason, when you press shillings come buttons, out. Well, it takes you back in time or <laughs> forward in time. What did you say then? You get shillings come out. Shillings. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm glad I glad I thought of that. And then you have, oh, sorry, Mark. And then you have um, ATM, which means at the moment. And then you you go back in time, and of course you see the hole in the wall gang because they're there. And and then you have these flies that are buzzing around the cash point because time flies when you're having fun, you know. But uh, they appear. But I feel like I feel like the way I speak has turned into Trump over the last <laughs> few months. I've been watching a lot of Trump. The world itself is becoming a joke. It's just incredible, really. It's hard to write jokes about it because it's. How do you make it funny when it's already funny? I know. That's right. Some of these things happening in the world right now, you couldn't 
write them, could you? You know, they are classical, really. But um, so, have yeah. you written any jokes during lockdown? Just regular stand-up jokes? Yeah, because when I did those the virtual gigs, I used a couple of things, like mm. my my drug dealer. Luckily, he's still working. He was working during lockdown because he's a key worker. My drug dealer, you know, a couple of keys here, a couple of keys there, and <laughs> and then I uh, I went to the the council. I went to see a councillor. Unfortunately, it was the wrong councillor because I went to the town hall to see a councillor. It was the town councillor, and he said I'm suffering from compulsory purchase disorder. Um, good job I didn't tell him about the depression because probably wouldn't have given me planning permission. You can't build on a depression, can you? That's not funny. You're right. My punt, my catchphrase is, that's not funny. You're right. And uh, during the lockdown, of course, I've been living inside my head, which it wouldn't be so bad if I wasn't so narrow-minded. But I try, and, I try and go for walks in the countryside. And I was walking on the footpath by the canal the other day. And I saw two people walking side by side. And I thought, you know, they know the rules. They've got to be single file. And uh, they're coming towards me. And not, not only that, they're walking abreast. And I couldn't believe it. Why couldn't they walk a dog like everybody else? You know, and I, I stepped on the breast. But, hey, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk, am I? Um, you know, I've written a few things. This is, this is a good one. A good sheepdog is hard to come by. Come by. I don't get that. A good sheepdog is hard to come by. Yeah, but what's the come by? Come by. Oh, come boy. No, no, no. It's, yeah, yeah, similar. But the actual words come by is what farmers uh, often shout when they want their dog to come towards them. Oh, that's great then. I just didn't know that. That's okay. Most of my jokes are great once you, once you know the <laughs> reference. So out of those ones, so you tried those at an online gig. Yeah. Um, what, what, what did and didn't work? Because what's, what's, what I've always admired about your stuff is you will do wordplay and one-liners, but you you link them into a routine, which I've never mastered how to do. Yeah, like my stuff's always individual, loosely linked. But like you're walking abreast and then st- stood on it and spilt milk, like that's great. But but do you ever find that if one of them doesn't work, you're stuck with like in limbo without a link? Well, I know the guy on. On Chortle, Steve Bennett wrote a review of me where he said, it's really good, but if if the audience, for whatever reason, decide they don't get the joke, then they don't get any of my stuff. But um, I think that rarely happens because I go off, if one doesn't work, I'll go into the next one and the next one and the next one. But like you said, if I have a say, a run of three or four gags, and they're all related. If the first one, I usually, uh, the first one works because it's the best of the lot that I put that Mm. at the front. If if the first one doesn't work, I would probably just change entirely and go into a different bit. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there's no point following up a joke with a tagline even if the tagline's really strong, I think if the, the 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 line before it doesn't work, it's no. I, I don't really. Okay, so you just think on your feet with that. I think so because the audience. I think maybe that's come from experience because if the audience mm. doesn't get 
the main part of the joke they well th that's the other thing about live comedy is you you assume they don't get it because you haven't heard the expected laugh mm. but that's the other thing sometimes i do um i'm too hasty in my decisions maybe i should just take my time and carry on because it's not that they don't get it they're just thinking about it you know yeah and, and i guess because of your style when you're jumping from joke to joke to joke maybe some of the jokes they need a little bit longer because you've got that rhythm yeah but it doesn't matter because when you get to the next one and they laugh you build this it actually came up when i was talking to mick ferry the other day randomly you came up because he did a joke about he was telling me a joke about the elephant man and then i brought up your brilliant elephant man impression yeah because i was saying that's how that's the only reason i know about the elephant man is your act i didn't know oh, yeah. anything about him before and then I was saying, because you build this kind of, which is unusual for a gag guy, this kind of momentum laughter where you got them laughing and you just keep them on that level. Whereas when I do it, I, they get a laugh, stop, get a laugh, stop, sort yeah. of like that. So I guess that's the trouble. If you're in that rhythm and they're not quick enough, they might lose a, miss a couple of jokes, but then it doesn't matter because yeah. you're on to the next one and it doesn't feel awkward. Well, well, I think the way my act has evolved is when I am on form, when it's a good night and the audience, even if the audience is, is up for it, or even if they're just, if they're there for the comedy and I can go on stage and I can do a sort of rapid fire delivery. And when it comes together, it's, it's great. I mean, even then you don't know if everybody's got it. I've come mm. off stage where I thought, that was a great gig. And someone backstage says to me, ah, oh, it was over their heads, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I thought they got it, you know, but mm. that could just be saying that could be a, a sign that, you know, it was, it was a good gig and it went over some people's heads, but not everything went over people's heads, you know, but I yeah. think what I can do when I'm slightly off form is I can either go too slightly too fast or as you say there is a rhythm and that is where the timing comes into it and i think there's such a thing as it's like you form a two-way thing with the audience so when it's when it involves a rhythm the audience response is is part of that rhythm you know mm. they're they're part of the whole comedy act because it's yeah their laughter is is vital to the the up and down peaks of the sound of the gig and sometimes there's a mistiming almost as if it's not it's like i've mistimed the delivery and it's really frustrating because when when i've maybe driven a long way to a gig and i'm a bit tired or maybe i had a joint a couple of hours before <laughs> half a joint or something and it's or a, or a drink and it's you can tell it's it the timing it's just not a hundred percent and with some of my jokes it, it you know they work so much better when everything is completely in rhythm and like sometimes i like to say it wasn't just me that mistimed the delivery but the the audience kind of mistimed the hearing of it or the i don't know i i, 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 I imagine something. i imagine if they're a slow audience that's a nightmare for you because you can't get into a rhythm if it's taken them all too long 
Do you know what I mean? Where it, so then you have to basically just do it individual jokes, but then it might, doesn't work as well because it's not got that knock-on effect from one joke to the other. So, to, well, so for me, yeah. as uh, analysing that, I'd say that's not really your fault. That's just the audience aren't quick enough into what you do, and then maybe and then you then have to go quicker because there's a gap and and everyone notices a gap. Do you know what I mean? So it's sort of a knock-on effect for them just not understanding probably yeah i mean i i uh i think uh you can get an audience which it depends again it comes into this idea of like they're slow if they're slow what what does that mean you know i'm not gonna say they're stupid because people are people right but mm. yeah you get a certain i think i i always stress when somebody asks me to do a gig in some out of the way pub, say, have you got the room set up properly? You know, have you got the audience, the seats near the audience? Is it intimate? Have you got a microphone? Have you got a light? Because all these factors mm. encourage the focus of the whole thing. And then you get a group of people, you could put them in one room and they don't get you and they think you're crap. And you put them in another room, which is set up totally different and they're loving it. I, I mm. think that that happens a lot. And I think that, I do sometimes get called, oh, yeah, your stuff is clever, blah, 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 it's over their heads. I don't think, you know, it's it's interesting, all this idea of, um, I mean, I just try and do what I f feel naturally to be funny. And I do like to reference cultural things because I think that's where contemporary comedy, I think comedy has always been referencing stuff. And I'm a big fan of Woody Allen's stand-up comedy. And I remember he wrote somewhere, you know, it's really important. It's really good to reference culture. And I think if it's a case of they don't get the cultural reference, I don't mind that so much because you'll always get a few who don't mm. get certain things. And then they can go off and read about it in the library or something. Or, But that's not clever. <laughs> that's just knowledge, that is. You know, mm. that's like anybody can get knowledge on Google these days. But I mean... Um, the thing about the it's the speed of it. If I was to go really slowly, not only is it is it's like the energy, especially at the beginning of the performance, it's would be hard for me to go slowly because yeah, there is something yeah. about a certain type of joke, a certain type of wordplay or pun. If you do it slowly, people for some reason they'll often react like you're speaking an alien language and mm. they'll groan, not just groan, but they'll feel sorry for you. I've noticed that, especially yeah. on a, a very uh, conservative audience, maybe a cruise ship or something. They'll hate that type of humor. That's where the speed and the energy helps. And then once you've, you've, you've sort of, you've drawn them in with the energy, you can slow down a bit then. Mm. I think the same applies with, if it's really silly, if you give them enough time to think to themselves, oh, that's just a bit silly, then they then judge it. Whereas if you just, if they're wrapped up in the silliness, yeah, in that rhythm, they don't sit back and think, oh no, I'm, I'm 55 years old. I shouldn't be laughing at this. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Silliness is one word for it. But another word for silliness is, is fun, you know? Mm. And if they just say, say, that was fun. It's fun, isn't it? You know, and fun is, yeah. 
where everybody has a good time, you know. But um, if I can mention something I have been reading, which is quite interesting. Mm. I've been, I had this book. I've been meaning to read it for ages. And as I say, during the lockdown, I've sort of taken the opportunity to read something every day. And I got this book about uh, Grimaldi, the clown, jo- Joseph Grimaldi, from the early 1800s. He was a clown who worked in London and, and he worked all over the UK and he was and look he's looked on as one of the greatest clowns ever right all right but he it's interesting first of all because at the time theater in britain only a couple of theaters allowed dialogue because of the puritan movement in the 1600s they banned theater right and then mm. when theater came back it was only a couple of royal theaters that would allow plays in the other theatres, that's where that's why pantomime and visual humour and clowns became so prominent, you see, because oh, they yeah. didn't speak. Right? Like Chaplin and things like that. Well, yeah, Chaplin's early 1900s. That's right, Chaplin mm. and Stan Laurel came out of all the music hall, which came out wow. of the pantomimes and the clowns. And um, But what happened was, first of all, when... Uh, they had this restriction on what you could say on stage in the early 1800s. It was the clown characters like Grimaldi who initially were seen as just simple idiots. That's what their character was. Although they were brilliant physically and everything. But then they started using mime to reflect topical things and political things. So they, they weren't just simple idiots anymore. They became famous satirists, right? And Okay, they could say the odd word, and they could speak in verse, and they could sing as well. But but um, there's this joke, which is in the book I've got, and it's regarded as one of Grimaldi's classic lines. And and this is the line. It's this is you're talking about 1808, and he's on stage in his full clown paraphernalia, and he has an envelope which he's given or he, he takes from the post box and he opens the letter and he takes the piece of paper out and there's a, a piece of rope from the envelope in the form of a noose. And he reads the letter and the letter says, um, it says something like, um, I thought I'd give you a line. Hold on, can I just get the book to get the quote? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, do it, yeah. So the line is, he opens the letter and, he, and there's a piece of rope with a noose in it. And he reads the letter and he says, Sir, I'll trouble you with a line. Now, to you and me, that is such a basic joke. It's, it's mm. a, a pun on the word line because he's got a rope, right? Mm-hmm. But apparently in the early 1800s, that was one of his most famous and unforgettable li- lines, literally was. And... That probably, to me, reflects a, a sort of early, very primitive form of stand-up comedy, just little bits and pieces coming into the physical comedy, that that joke, which today would, would, wouldn't even get a groan, it's, it's so sort of, uh, you know, it doesn't even have a sort of, you know, it's, it's a, a non-starter as a joke. But at the time, you know, that joke was revolutionary in terms of wordplay and everything, I would imagine, and just the fact that he can deliver it as a short thing. And then when you move on to a joke like, when is a door not a door when it's a jar, that's probably 200 years later, 
the sort of equivalent of of the standard of wordplay, you know. And I think um, I don't know how to finish this sentence. Well, I I've find that got... really. I I find the history of jokes really interesting. So, do you think that was where that started? Like, did you think people back in the old days, before, not even performing, but were just in conversation? Do you think they did puns and wordplay? Do you know any? Do you know anything about the history of that? Well, I know for for sure that in the plays of Shakespeare and his contemporaries, you have you have shitloads of wordplay. Mm. Um, I mean, if I thought about it right now, you know, um, I could probably think of an example. But I mean, there are definitely. You know, some people would say that 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 Shakespeare is all wordplay because it's poetry, you know, and within that wordplay, some of it is funny wordplay. Um, I would imagine it's never going to be we're never going to find out for sure because history is, you know, it was never filmed or anything. But I would say if you go back to the Middle Ages or even before that, you certainly had poetry. I would imagine even in normal conversation, occasionally people would, yeah, I would say they would come up with a, with their own jokes and stuff. Yeah, because yeah, if, well. if there's double meaning, there's no reason why people wouldn't spot it. Yeah, but it's not just, I mean, that, that joke by Grimaldi may have had an appeal because it was a, quite a surreal thing, you know, to have a, a rope with a noose in it as well, the physical yeah. aspect coming out of an envelope. You could say... He was pushing the envelope. You could say he had a good delivery, but I mean, if he probably, he probably opened to... with it. So, have you got any jokes that you ha- you couldn't get to work, or you've? Okay, let's see. Any jokes I have? I was uh, trying to clap for the NHS every evening, but then I couldn't do it one evening because it was raining. Luckily, the the lightning clapped for me. Uh, I can see you smiling at that, Mark. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, for, for the people who are listening, me and Mark can actually see each other. <laughs> so I assume you're going to add sound effects of people laughing. Well, I'm tr- basically, normally I'm freer with laughter, but because I'm worried about the sound, I don't want to laugh too much and then it sounds weird over you talking. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to do a little... <laughs> like that, exhale yeah. laugh, okay. and I'll explain in the All intro... Right. To the podcast why i'm holding back yeah but what happened was when when the nhs uh of course uh you know we're doing a lot of good work we're still still are doing a lot of good work i um thought i didn't want to just clap for them i felt like having fireworks for them in my garden but all the shops were closed and i couldn't get any fireworks so what i did was i had a bit of bubble wrap and i put it outside i got my girlfriend to walk up and down the bubble wrap and I just sat there with my eyes closed in the living room thinking, I like those fireworks. They're really good. Um, that's not a So problem, that would work in Welsh. That would work in Welsh. Yeah, because it's not wordplay. You're right. Yeah. It would probably work in German, French, Swahili, <laughs> Ghanaian, you know. Silent comedy. Well, silent comedy is probably the only universal comedy, really, when you think about it. That's um, so stupid because, of course, it wouldn't work in silent comedy because... <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you're right. I meant no words, but... Yeah, silent comedy that that ruins that joke entirely. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, I did. I I had to break up with my crafts teacher, but we'll still have plaster of Paris. 
Um, none of these new jokes. I, I mean, I did, I, I did come up with a good joke, but then I realised, I'm, I, I probably a thousand other people wrote it when Trump said the thing about drinking disinf- uh, injecting disinfectant. Mm. I, who he's probably got diplomatic immunity from from the virus, by the way. But uh, when he suggested injecting disinfectant, I, I tried drinking disinfectant and I was done for domestic abuse, which I thought was a funny joke at the time. But then I'm sure loads of people came up with it, you know, and that's the trouble, as I say. With that joke, my thought there is it would is the, would the joke that would not be even better if you forced your wife to drink it? Because then it actually is domestic abuse. Yeah, or, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Or better, she forced you to do it because then you're not aggressive towards a female. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. No, James! No, Christmas will Probably be soon, Joel. Christmas will be soon, and it's going to be a weird one, isn't it? What are you going to get me? Well, I mean, I didn't get you anything last year. No, but I think we've grown cro- closer over the last year. Well, actually, technically, we've been further apart. All the more reason to express your love with a gift. Okay. Well, I'll have to think about it, and I'll let you know next week. Well, <laughs> I probably shouldn't let you know. No, don't let me know. That's not. Yeah, yeah. You're rubbish at present. Yeah, no. Um, so, I just saw in the news that... Um, Kent's got a border and I'm moving back to Kent for a couple of months so I might do I need my passport what's going on it's, it seems coincidental that you decided to move back to Kent <laughs> and, and put a border Kent's, up <laughs> Kent's enforced the border <laughs> oh no sorry everybody if it is me there'll be a big wanted poster at the yeah. at the border <laughs> oh yeah po- we got rid of this guy yeah apologies if that is the reason um and you're driving a big lorry down there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big one. Arctic. Yeah, it's really cold. <laughs> Is that funny? <laughs> Surely that's been done. That, I mean, that joke must have been done, right? Oh, it must have been. 
Must have been. Arctic. Well, is it called an Arctic because it can drive on ice? Uh, no, it's because they use those ones to deliver the groceries to Iceland. <laughs> That's not true. Ice is yeah. not in the Arctic. No, but it's cold. It's where we yeah. get all your frozen stuff. Oh, I feel like this has got a slightly different vibe to it this week, Joel, but I quite like it. It's quite nice. Bit, it's I gentle... don't feel well. You're sat in essentially pitch black. Yeah. I know I've said this before, but it's like when they do a TV interview with Andy McNabb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so anybody, anybody, anybody out there, anybody <laughs> out there, um, if you enjoyed the show, uh, any feedback at Jokes with Mark, or if you want to make us feel better, Joel's not feeling very well and I've got to move back to Kent. Uh, you could go over to Apple Podcasts and you can uh, you can su- subscribe and uh, rate and you can and give us a five recommend star some things for Mark to do in Kent. Oh, and uh, oh, great feedback! It was two weeks ago because we didn't do one last week. Uh, Mike, the Mike Gun bonus Patreon had loads of great feedback. An hour bonus footage over on Patreon go and Patreon forward slash Jokes with Mark. Some more stuff going up there very soon. Thanks for everyone who's signing up to that. Um, anything more from you, Joel? Mm, nothing more from me, Mark. Anything more from you, Mark? Nothing more from me, Joel. Hashtag Awoogle, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.